0: Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Bouncing Back, the Personal Resilience Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started.
1: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. As you can see, I am taking over for Tia today. I am usually the host of another two shows, but since Tia is away, I'll be taking over for her. Uh, in today's episode, we're talking a little bit about anger. And, you know, while anger is a natural emotion and reaction to situations, sometimes it can go into an excessive route and there can be some sort of side effects and things that happen when... When that's taken a bit too far. So here to help me talk about it is Jessica Shu. Uh, now she is a principal clinical psychologist. She's worked in a number of mental health settings from crisis support to child protection, aged care, acute hospitals and chronic pain services. and today she is going to be our, our guest in talking about anger. How are you going today, Jessica? Hi, good thanks,
2: Dita. How are you?
1: I'm really good. It's been a it's been a cold morning in Melbourne, but
2: it's so far it's been nice. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, it's uh, not too bad here in Brisbane at the moment.
1: That's oh, nice. I love I love Brisbane weather. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. It could be hit or miss humidity Heat, heat, but you know, otherwise, good. True. Okay, that's that's a really good point. <laughs> so, talking
1: about anger, how did you sort of get into talking about into sort of helping people? in the clinical psychologist field that you are in now?
2: Yeah, sure. So I was always interested in the human mind and about, um, you know, why we do what we do. Um, You know, the emotions being, you know, so pervasive in our everyday lives and anger being one of those kind of, you know, um, the bad emotion. Um, But, you know, learning more about it through my studies, just recognizing that it's just a normal thing that we experience and to take it as a bit of information and learn what to do with it, yeah
1: so it's it's amazing when talking about clinical psychology and the whole field because it's not something that you sort of just stumble upon in doing it as a profession. it's It's something that you really found a passion in. So how did you sort of even get into 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 the field that you're in now?
2: Yeah, sure. So um in high school, you know, I was going through a difficult time with my family and Just knowing that, um, you know, people um, just seeing like all of the different struggles from people of um, immigrant backgrounds and things like that, it really sparked an interest for me um, just in terms of, you know, this um, topic of mental health. So I started to become interested um, early on in high school and then started to pursue that through my studies uh, at university. Uh, and that's sort of uh, led me to where I am today in, in terms of um, my own practice with my business partner. We we wanted to help the, the culturally and linguistically diverse population a bit more um, and just to have like a different setting for psychology because typically it's been very much like, you know, Freud on the couch. Tell me your feelings. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's about your dreams. But, you know, we we have a different vibe now. <laughs>
1: Well, that's good. I think I remember talking to a psychologist very early on in my life, and it was just like sitting on a sitting on a seat and talking to them. And it's very interesting how people say that it's a very different way that it's done now. There are so many different um, methods in order to sort of get a person to open up and talk a little bit more.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like it's a conversation, right? Like there's two people in the room. Yeah. Um, you know, I work uh, only with adults, so. You know, like I, you know, treat you as the expert in your own life. Um, and, you know, it, you know what's going on for you. So it doesn't make sense for me to just sit there passively listening to you talk the whole time and, you know, just judge, 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 you know, and see, analyze, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so we do just sort of working together more collaboratively, and, and yeah, like that's um, I think where psychology is um, more at these days. You know, where mm-hmm. we see the client as you know a, an active participant. Yeah,
1: see that's that's really good. I feel like movies do psychologists so dirty when it comes to how it's done.
2: Yes, yes, I cannot watch uh, I cannot watch a psychologist in a movie without <laughs> cringing so hard. like ethical dilemmas everywhere. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) So before we start talking about um, anger and how it occurs, we love to start the guest off talking a little bit more about themselves in a little icebreaker that we love to play. Um, So it's just to get to know you a little bit more with these different sections. So yeah, just share the first thing that sort of comes to mind. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay, so the
2: first one is a favourite book of yours. Uh, I don't know if it's a favourite, but I just recently finished reading The Circle by Dave Eggers. Um, And it was really interesting because like taking, you know, all of the social media stuff, tracking data stuff to like the nth degree um, where, you know, basically you can know everything about everyone if you so happen to desire. and um, just like obviously the ethical concerns around that and just this like kind of human need for control. So I found that really fascinating. Um, you know, just reading it, but also as a psychologist, I was like, oh <laughs> <laughs> Is it a, is it fictional
1: or is it not? No, fiction fiction, a fiction Okay. thankfully
2: fiction. <laughs> so I got into like tracking people and stuff like that and I was just like, Whoa, there's a lot. <laughs>
1: So it's definitely doesn't seem like a light read, for sure.
2: No, the way that it's come across is like, you know, this workplace as a utopian, like, oh, this is like the best workplace. It's so technologically advanced, you know know, everything's like one of those awesome tech startups. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's also this like darker side that's kind of explored. So I, I found that quite fascinating.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds really interesting. I'm going to have to try to Google that straight after this yeah. <laughs> and see if I've read it or not. <laughs>
2: uh, the next one is a favourite movie of yours. Yes. So uh, definitely favourite is The Crow, a um, 90s movie with Brandon Lee in it. Um, it's like this grungy um, 90s film about this guy who is killed, um, his partner's killed, and then... He comes back as this, like, um, I don't know, as a mythical creature or something and he exacts revenge. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's very dark. Um, but the reason I love it so much is because despite being dark, um, there's these really hilarious, like, 90s one-liners and, like, really humorous little moments here and there sprinkled throughout. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this line in the movie that says, it can't rain all the time. And so I really love it because it's like you know there is this light in it, um, uh, even though the topic itself and like the way that it's filmed is quite dark. And obviously uh, with Brandon as well, passing in the movie, um,
1: yeah. So yeah. no, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I love I love when it's they aim it to be a really dark cinematic kind of film, but then suddenly they sort of add the humor to it a little yeah, bit more.
2: For sure, yeah. sure.
1: Um, the next one is a favorite podcast
2: that you have. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Um, I'll go for it. Yeah. Okay. We're so, so friendly here. <laughs> okay, awesome. So Do You Fucking Mind is um, a really great podcast that I love listening to. Um, mm-hmm. She's, uh, I think it's Alexis, um, she studies neuroscience. Um okay. But she's all about like self-love and, you know, not letting people cross your boundary. Um, and she swears a lot in it. So I'm all for it. Like sometimes you just need that friend who like kicks you in the butt a bit and like, wait, what are you doing? Um, and I feel like that's what she does. So I, I love it. And then she weaves in all the side specs about the brain. So all for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds like a really interesting one. I'm going to have to, I'm definitely going to
2: search that now. Yeah. I think
1: because she swears, it sort yeah. of
2: hits a little bit more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's just like, it's all good when everyone's like calm and stuff, but someone's swearing at you and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, friends. <laughs> I'll do so it. That's
1: definitely, a, that's definitely a train listen. then.
2: Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yep.
1: The next one is my favorite, my personal favorite area is a famous role model that you
2: look up to. Yeah. So um, tracking on from Brandon Lee, uh, Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. his dad. Um, okay. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I really, like, um, resonated with Bruce when I was growing up um, because I did martial arts as well, but also just, like, philosophy on things. Um, it really aligns with my values as well around, you know, flexibility. So mm-hmm. not just, like, being like, I have to do things for one certain weight. Um, you know, that idea of being water uh, and, you know, moving around obstacles along the way, um, but also utilising your own strengths. So his whole... Um, martial art that he created, Jeet Kune Do, was like around, you know, not being so prescriptive like some of the other mm-hmm. ones. Like use what you've got, um, utilize your strength and, you know, work around some of the other stuff and you, know, you can kind of figure things out as you go. No,
1: that sounds, it sounds very interesting because when you hear Bruce Lee, you think about his movies and you think about all the all the films that he's oh. been in, but you never really think about what who they are as a person. Oh. So hearing that really opens up your understanding to him a little bit more
2: yeah yeah so yeah no definitely love his movies as well um yeah <laughs> asian representation um yeah, yeah, no. but, but you know yeah he, he he did have this like really interesting philosophical side to him too uh, and yeah so I, I always found that interesting and it did the line with how i think about and how i practice my psychology as well
1: wow that's that's see i can see why that's
2: real model then <laughs> And the last
1: one is a course that you've completed.
2: Uh, as in like my dec- dignity
1: degree? I think um, an interesting course. So It could be a small course or a little lecture
2: that you've been to or anything Ooh. like that. Okay. Ooh. I, I was once interested in doing forensic science, so I did like okay. a free online course one time. And oh, wow. Like yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah why not? Because um, I did want to do forensic psychology um, when I was younger uh Mm -hmm. but um yeah like I said dabbling into forensic science and learning about how they like solve different crimes and stuff like that and yeah it's just so so interesting I don't know what else to say yeah because I've always every time
1: I see a career I suddenly want to be it so I'm very much I'll go in and just try any kind of course so that's a really interesting course to get into.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, don't know if I get into the career because I, I don't know if I'm cut out. <laughs> what? Uh, but yeah, it's always intriguing learning about it. Yes, no, for
1: sure. So now we've moved on to talking about a little bit more about anger. But before we do that, I love to start off with a question with every guest. Why is resilience important in our life?
2: yeah for sure so resilience is important because obviously life isn't perfect um no one's perfect and sometimes for lack of a better term shit happens. and you know when that does happen then you know we have to have some resilience in order to get through it and be able to uh, overcome some of those obstacles so but yeah, yeah.
1: Because I, I know everyone has a different definition and it's really interesting. I think I've heard of a couple of guests who have so many different views on it and they're like, oh, it's standing up after you've fallen down. Mm-hmm. But, and I think every definition always is seems right. Every definition mm-hmm. I hear
2: always seems very real. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, everyone's got a different, um, like you said, definition for themselves and what Mm -hmm. it means to them to be resilient, Um, and it's not wrong. It's just, you know, how do people cope with, you know, the the difficulties in life? Mm.
1: And I think, does that sort of mean that every every person whose definition is different, also it comes from their life views and life experiences?
2: exactly, exactly, because that's how we, you know, go through life, you know, through our own sort of lens, Uh, based on what we have experienced or being exposed to. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like everything's relative.
1: Mm -hmm. So what do you think about someone's definition of being immune to stressors and also adversity?
2: Yeah, so I wouldn't, um, you know, say that that's incorrect because immunity implies that we have, you know, some strength um, to uh, withstand certain stressors. Um, Mm. but that doesn't mean we're not like we don't get affected by it at all right Um, yeah I think it's more about like a different threshold that people might have uh, around uh, certain types of crises or obstacles and so Mm -hmm. you know one person's threshold might be higher than another person's threshold in a particular thing but you know for something else it it could look very much uh, different so yeah like people's immunity to to certain things will be different. Um, and so I don't think that's um, incorrect, but, you know, obviously in life, we can't be fully immune to anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, immunity only goes so far, I think, for for adversity. Um, but, you know, when things are hard, you know, we want to be able to, like you said before, stand back up and, and continue to move forward with the things that are important to us.
1: Mm-hmm. And while sort of a lot of people go through different types of emotion and some people think that they're immune to feeling anything negative or anything bad, going into talking a bit about anger, how would you define what anger is in sort of our emotional sense?
2: Yeah, yeah. So anger is one of those more uncomfortable emotions. So, you know, they get a bad ref and they're like, oh, bad emotions, good emotions. Uh, But it Mm -hmm. just feels uncomfortable, right? Um, But all of our emotions are inherently good because they provide us with some sort of information, Um, whether Mm -hmm. that's information about ourselves or information about um, the situation. So typically with anger, that's giving us information that, you know, uh, a boundary of mine has been crossed or Mm. like some sort of injustice that I deem as, as, as an injustice has happened to me. And therefore, we we start to feel these very uncomfortable things.
1: Okay. And talking about anger a little bit, is everyone sort of going through a different type of anger? Because I know that there's a little threshold that some people's anger is different. The way that they react with anger is very different.
2: Of course, of course. So uh, I like to think of our emotions more on a spectrum. So rather than zero to a hundred, like, of course, you know, we've got, you know, fully calm to like explosive rage or something. Um, but in between there's all of the potential different types of reactions. Um, yeah. but we've got, uh, summary sorry, I your question.
1: No, it's <laughs> it just, I think it's just the different types of anger people. Ah, yes. Yes. Experience. So, yeah.
2: so I go from like, you know, annoyance, um, up to like frustration, anger, rage. Um, and, you know, the expressions of that can be different. So, you know, it could be like passive, being passive aggressive to somebody, you're making snarky comments, pointed comments, to verbal aggression, like raising your voice or swearing potentially, or, um, you know, making verbal threats and things like that, to physical acts of aggression uh, and that sort of thing, like either against oneself or uh, objects or other people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone's um, – th- those are, like, the more typical uh, things we associate with anger. That probably is the reason why anger gets a bad rep. Um, but other things associated with anger can be, you know, just speaking up for yourself, you know, standing up for yourself and going, hey, like, that's not on. That's – I'm not okay to be – talked to like that or, you know, I don't want to put up with that. hmm
1: And – With anger, I feel like there's always a sense of vulnerability more than when we're sort of happy or joyful. So going into, what is the role of personal resilience in managing difficult emotions such as anger?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the more resilient we are, the more we can sort of sit with that uncomfortable feeling and sort of be more reflective and go, oh, like, why was that triggering for me or you know what is at the heart of this or what is it that i want from this other person um if we're not resilient in that way we might just react right we don't actually have a chance to think about and respond to the situation or think about how we want to be as a person in that moment Um, and, and you know act in a way that we can be proud of
1: so when acting in a sort of sense that, what is the point that we sort of get that, okay, do we realize it ourselves that we're a bit too much and it's, we have taken it too far? Or is it other people's reactions that that's when we're sort of realizing that it's a bit
2: too much? I think it depends on the person. Like okay, some people will be, you know, either of those two. Some people won't realize right and Mm -hmm. um that can be an issue in and of itself because then maybe you know in relationships people leave them a lot um or you know they're not able to stick in um you know keep long-term jobs or anything like that because they're constantly you know being aggressive um to other people and they don't don't have the insight um Mm -hmm. as much as other people might try to bring it to them um so, yeah, like you know some people do recognize and and they might feel guilty or ashamed of their behavior afterwards, or you know other people might get that negative reaction from um, a friend or family member partner mm-hmm. and then go, "Oof, okay, like maybe I was in the wrong or maybe not. Maybe they get more angry um, yep. yeah its it it varies completely.
1: So what are some of the signs that we? need to know in ourselves in order to avoid the negative impact it has on either ourselves or even others?
2: Yeah, so I guess some of the signs would be just, you know, feeling a bit off, um, noticing that, you know, we are maybe coming towards, um, you know, this sort of um, bottled up sort of self-critical, self-loathing narrative of beating ourselves up. Uh, maybe there's like a sense of resentment towards like a partner or a friend or someone, colleague. Um, and then anytime we sort of feel guilt or shame, like that could be also a sign of the trigger that happened. Like, oh, OK, like I acted in that way and I feel a bit maybe embarrassed or something. Um, and then it's like, OK, let's reflect on what happened back there.
1: So in your line of work and in sort of the practice that you do, how has it been in sort of... Allow teaching a client of yours or a patient of yours the fact that their coping skills for anger and their way of going through anger is a little bit too far because it must be a really challenging part mm-hmm. to sort of tell someone that you the emotion the way that they're reacting is a little bit too too much.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I don't usually. Uh... You know, try to say I, I try not to judge the the client by saying it's too mm-hmm. much or or whatnot because like they're it's a coping strategy, right? So all coping strategies are inherently there to try to help us, but mm-hmm. whether or not it's still helpful for the person, it, you know, maybe it's become an overreaction out, over time, or maybe it's a disproportionate level to the current situation, but maybe in another situation it's completely reasonable. So you know we try not to generalize uh, um, and say that you know these coping strategies are are good or bad or too much or too little it's just you know right now for you as a person is this working and is this aligned with who you want to be as a person uh is it helping you work towards your goals yeah so that's kind of how i like to frame it um
1: okay yeah so how much of our Emotional reactions are from are from what we learn and what we've
2: what's sort of in
1: ourselves as as it is.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, a lot of it is from what we're exposed to. So what we learn like through modeling from say our parents or those around us growing up. Because if we see that as the only example, then what else do we know? You know, yeah. what other options do we have to react? And um, another one is just society's like narrative of, you know, anger being bad and, you know, uh, not so much these days. These days I feel like it's a little bit better. But, you know, when I was younger, just like, you know, everyone um, kind of being told, you know, if you're angry, then you're aggressive and that's bad. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. especially for women, you know, we got to keep it uh, under control. Um, but also for men, that's... A, Sort of toxic masculinity side of things like they can't show like weakness they can't show uh you know um, other emotions vulnerable emotions like sadness or things like that so because of that narrative they had to suppress all of that stuff and the only one that is socially like acceptable for men back back in those days um but, but through that toxic masculinity lens it was anger and, and aggression and then that apparently was fine Um, so yeah, like I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, what we've seen, what we've been exposed to. Um, but you know, of course, like, you know, there's going to be individual factors as well, like people's just general temperaments. Um, but I think, you know, it's that, um, that balance of, you know, environment and uh, nature versus nurture, right? Like it's both. Yeah.
1: Okay. So going through like emotional regulation, and sort of understanding your emotions in, in a way that's in a healthy environment. Because I know when you're saying a lot of people where we learn our emotions from our parents, from people we've, we've met throughout our youth and growing up, how has it been, how easy is it to sort of understand that this is not how you're supposed to act or this is not how you're this is not how you react
2: to a situation because
1: I know a lot of it is not going to be positive in our understanding of how we see
0: it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think anger is an interesting one because, you know, people can react to aggression in very different ways. Um, You know, if someone's being aggressive, like, so they're kind of like, again, uh, pushing into a boundary, then, Mm -hmm. you know, most people's, uh, not most people, sorry, yeah, some people's reaction is to take a step back you know, it's that sort of flight response. Yeah, And some people might have the fight response and then that sort of escalate things, um, which then doesn't actually resolve anything either. Um, I, and so, you know, what we want to like figure out is how do we stand our ground because then they keep pushing and nothing happens. And then eventually they just, you know, take that res- more respectful step back and go, oh, okay, like this person, you know, is saying... And so there's no point in me doing this because then I'm being unreasonable or, you know, uh, this is ineffective, uh, basically.
1: Yeah, because it's really interesting when, like, when we're talking about anger, it's like you said, it's one of the most uncomfortable emotions that you could ever possibly, especially when you go with, through it with another person. Oh, And sometimes it can be taken too far. Sometimes other people buckle, sometimes you buckle. Yeah. So trying to find that balance, I think it's really, it's really interesting because the way that I sort of go through anger is I love to get, I get angry at myself first than other people. Mm. Yeah. And so it's really, it's really interesting when, as I get older, that I'm understanding it a little bit more rather than just, for me, I'm very quick to anger. And I know that's very much got something to do with how I grew up and the way that I understood um, anger as an emotion as a it's first to react then sort of understand yeah so with the types of emotional regulation what kind of skills are good to sort of just try to take a step back and try to think before you act straight away
2: yeah yeah well with anything um you know we we want to practicing right like regularly and which means that we're not going to get it right away so that's the first thing like patience people um (laughs) um, but you know i think with um you know learning to sort of reflect on your own preferences first and recognizing when a boundary has been crossed in the first place Mm -hmm. um you know knowing that oh okay like i'm actually not okay with this or you know, I kinda am okay with this, but I'm annoyed because this person, uh like, often gets their way and I hardly get my way, for example. Um, and sort of having that, you know, internal reflection, um, which may come after the fact, you know, initially. Uh, and then slowly, mm-hmm. slowly, the more we do it, you know, come earlier and earlier in the piece. Um, but I think a good way to to reflect on that, um, more as like a specific uh, strategy would be to journal, um, and to, to write things down. And again, this would probably just be after the fact for the most part, um, just going, Oh, what was, what happened there? What was I feeling? Um, you know, what did I do? What would I rather do next time? How would I Mm -hmm. like to express my anger next time? if the situation occurs again um, and, you know, uh, you know, is this aligning with who I am or who I want to be? Um, so, yeah, like definitely just getting it out of our heads at some point um, is good. It could just be like a little dot point on our phone even. doesn't have to be a huge, like, narrative.
1: Yep, yeah. Because when I hear about journaling, it's like sit down and you write in a journal
2: and... Yeah, diary, no. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I honestly cannot cannot get my mind to settle down fast enough to write all of my emotions down so talking about journaling I get so hung up on the fact that there has to be a structure it has to done a certain way oh no no, not at all it's good that I got the okay now yeah. to do it <laughs> anyway.
2: Exactly. Just simple dot points. So you can have like random prompts like, ah, I was pissed off. Cool stuff. You know, like <laughs> that could be your first reflection. That's completely leg- legitimate. And then as you kind of get more into the habit of journaling and, and writing your thoughts down, then you might find there's something deeper there. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have to be like, let me sit here and analyze everything that's gone through my head ever. You know, just no, no,
1: it's like words, letters, just
0: scrambling yeah. everywhere. No,
1: no. <laughs> so while I'm sort of understanding my own emotions and my own little types of anger, I know that there are a lot of other different types. So what are some of the types that you can sort of list and sort of help us understand what the different types
2: are? Uh, of anger, sorry? Yes, yeah. of anger. Yeah, sure. So like annoyance, um, you know, is like a more lower level thing. It's like more of a niggly thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I can tolerate it, but I don't really want to. It's not my preference. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, and then we go to frustration, which is, yes, I can sort of tolerate it, but it's kind of getting to the point where it's becoming more difficult to manage and it's building kidney. Another one is uh, resentment. So this is maybe when we've, suppressed our needs for too long and then um, it sort of comes out in this you know uncomfortable feeling towards another person you know might be a family member, friend, partner colleague or the boss or something and it's uncomfortable because we have to keep being in a relationship with them and we want it to be nice you know we we don't want it to have these sort of like sour Um, feelings anger is you know the, the overarching emotion we're talking about, which again is about that boundary crossing, um, that feeling of, uh, that sense of being disrespected in some way, uh, or not having our needs met or prioritized in some way, uh, and then mm-hmm. rage. Um, so rage is yeah, like a complete injustice or a complete, you know, well, our sense of a complete injustice has occurred to us and then people might act out in rage. Um, Okay. hmm.
1: Well, how do those different types of anger sort of come out in our behaviours?
2: Yeah. So just sort of touching on rage there. um, When we think of the word rage, typically I think like um, road rage or like people going on a rampage or something. Yeah. 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 (laughs)
1: That's right. (laughs) I'm I'm a habit of the road rage kind of person.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, when I'm thinking rage, maybe you're not that level, which is good. Um, okay. but more like you know getting arrested for assault and you know really dangerous driving and no stuff.
1: it's yeah. it's the internal rage internal yeah,
2: road yeah, rage. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: more healthy <help.
2: laughs> uh, not, not, so. not the healthiest but you know no. we, we can we can work on it um, <laughs> but it, it's you know the sense of uh, you know it going through their minds it's like this sense of injustice like how dare this other person do that to me like they should know better, and they did that to me on purpose. The sense of like a personal attack, and the sense of like, well, I need to teach them a lesson. Um, that that sort of narrative to get someone to that point where they would maybe get out of their car and physically assault someone else. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that level of like build up in their minds, um, versus like you know, most people they probably get annoyed, um, which is fair enough. You know, someone's cutting you off, and it's like, oh my god, that was dangerous, and like, what the, you know, you can learn how to drive. Uh, so there's this <laughs> assumption of incompetence of the other person, but you know, yeah. we're we're not getting out of our cars. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's me. I'll take I'll take that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you you're the majority. You're the
0: majority.
1: Okay, that's good. Yeah. So, what can we do to sort of learn from that? Because I know it's not always. I mean, other than journaling. When it comes to road rage, there's some things that sort of, it's set in you, for example. It's like something that you're just set to understand. How can we learn to take out that habit or to take out the behavior that we proceed with the frustration?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it's like, you know, again, that idea of like, is it helpful for you? You know, like at the end of the day is, you know, teaching that other person a lesson actually got to teach that other person lesson number one but is it going to be mm-hmm. helpful for you in any way if you get arrested um you know like probably not uh, no. yeah. and you <laughs> know even if we go down the spectrum a lot um, to just being annoyed <laughs> it's like okay. you know how how is this stranger going to impact your life right like you know are they going to ruin your mood for the day you know is that something that has to happen Right. It's like, yeah, they could be cutting you off for any number of reasons. But at the end of the day, we're not going to find out and we're probably not going to see them again. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're safe. Everything's fine. You know, it's not great, not ideal, but we have to accept that, you know, sometimes these things happen and, it you know, it's annoying, but I can move on with my date.
1: Mm-hmm. And other than sort of the consequence of getting arrested... Um, going down to the sort of lesser lesser things like frustration and annoyance, what are some of the potential consequences of not addressing that anger in a sort of, in a healthy way?
2: Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, sometimes feeling guilt, like if we're beating ourselves up, like you said before, like the internalised anger, um, like, oh, I should be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that, that sort of self-criticism can lead to you know low self-esteem self-loathing on the more extreme end um mm-hmm. sense of guilt or shame um as well if we're acting on some of those um frustrations um or if we, we feel like we're constantly going around in the same sort of cycle um, mm-hmm. yeah that those can be some of the um uh side effects of that um but also in relationships as i mentioned before like that resentment building and building and building and then at some point coming to a head and then, you know, people maybe saying things that they might regret later or doing things that, again, they might regret.
1: Yeah, so what's the impact? Like, what other things does it impact when it comes to those types of anger that you've just listed and ones going through their daily life?
2: Yeah, um, so, I mean, you know, There's got to be things that, you know, aren't ideal for us in going through our daily life. Um, Nothing's going to be perfect. But I think there are certain things that, you know, will trigger different people. So that's why the reflection is important to see where your own sort of triggers lie. Um, Because, you know, one thing that might bother someone um, might not bother another person, right? And, you know, they might express their anger in different ways, depending on what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think I use the example of, you know, when you are an adult and then you go back to stay with your parents, you know, everything is annoying, right? (laughs) And it's like, oh, no, like, you know, you've been treated like a teenager again. And you're like, oh, Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, you start to recognize, ah, like this is a trigger for me and I don't know why I'm doing this, but you know, I'm doing it. Um, because normally in my adult life, I wouldn't react like that anymore. Um, And -hmm. so it's just sort of learning uh, about, you know, what is triggering for us and, um, you know, how that affects us each individually.
1: Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about the strategies a little earlier, sometimes there is a way to let out a good frustration Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. But somehow there's this phrase that I sort of listened that i heard of is is it good to let it all hang out and let everything just sort of release oh. um either on a person that you trust because i know that we are more likely to release emotions on people that we trust okay. um to stay
2: after it or people yep. that would just be allowing you to vent a little bit yeah more. yeah it depends it depends on either the person uh, if they know that that's your intention um <laughs> you know it's good to have a disclaimer in there i just need to vent right? Like, I don't need you to help me solve this or anything like that. I just need someone to talk to. Um, <laughs> because otherwise, you know, if they start telling you what to do, giving you advice, you're just like, okay. okay even more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, like, you know, it is good to have some sort of anger release. Um, Letting it all hang out. If it's like in the physical sense, I would say, let's be careful how we do that. Um, there are healthy ways to let it out physically, um, but you know we don't want to get ourselves hurt or another person hurt, basically. So you know things like breaking things or you know um, hurting other people is it's definitely a no no. Um, mm-hmm. That's not helpful. Um, but you know other ways like high intensity exercise, which might include boxing, um, wow. as long as you don't imagine the person who you're angry at while you're doing it, because. Uh, studies i'm sure that's not helpful um but hmm. uh, <laughs> i actually didn't know it wasn't yeah no no, 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 no. because then that builds your anger and, and might build that uh frustration towards them okay all what? right
1: well that that makes more sense because yeah. i've always seen in films for example that yeah. they tape like the the person's face on like a dartboard and then they throw the darts at it
2: <laughs> yeah no 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 no, 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 no good <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so the action itself is a good physical release, um, but having <laughs> like imagining the person there, uh, you know, it, is not um, not particularly helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like other things, like um, you yeah, know, throwing a tennis ball at a brick wall, uh, like on the full, like uh, pegging it. Sorry, and then catching it mm-hmm. on the full. Um, okay. You know, something like that can be actually quite. Um, cathartic but also humorous so you know you're throwing it as hard as you can so you're releasing that physical energy but they're trying to mm-hmm. catch it on the full of the bit of a shock or a jolt and then you don't see how you can do it or maybe it makes you more angry so you keep throwing it and keep trying right <laughs> so either yeah. way it gets out
1: well that, that sounds like a really good that sounds like a really good method and in a way is sort of release it on your own as well Fun. um when you're talking to someone about the frustration how does it does it help your mental health in order to let it release by or somehow um somehow sometimes like for me for example i definitely take it too far when i i start out very nice and then suddenly it ends up just me being a little bit more mad and the level just keeps increasing of course when i need to let out frustration for example when is it a bit too much that I'm sort of just letting it out more than I probably should?
2: Well, I think it's not so much that you're letting it out more than you should, but the fact that you're getting angry again indicates mm-hmm. that, you know, the the issue hasn't been resolved, right? That's why, you know, as you're sort of retelling it, you're almost reliving it again, which
0: is why okay. you're feeling
2: angry again, all yeah. right? So it's it, okay. this unresolvedness that, you know, okay, there's still something there that, we are not okay with that we haven't necessarily rectified or accepted um Mm -hmm. and so that's maybe where we need to what we want to work on as -hmm. opposed to not feeling angry again if that makes sense because again anger information yes
1: yes and how can people identify that sort of underlying emotion that they are suppressing for so long that might be driving their anger
2: Yeah, well, I think for most people, there is something underneath anger. Anger is just like the the surface level, like the um, feeling that makes people almost like feel a little bit more in control. I know Mm -hmm. that might sound strange because like when people lash out aggressively, like that doesn't feel like control. Um, But compared to some of the other uncomfortable emotions, like anger has this, you know, sense of like I'm doing something or I'm Mm -hmm. letting it out. Um, as opposed to something, say, sadness or helplessness or anxiety, fear, um, you know, disappointment, you know, when they feel vulnerable and it's like, OK, well, what do I do with this? Like, I don't know how to deal with this. So I just let it out in other way.
1: Mm-hmm. And other than the other points that we've mentioned, what are some other healthy ways in order to express or even communicate our anger to for, to another party?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, assertive communication is definitely a, a good one. So basically that idea of someone's pushing your boundary and you're standing firm, uh, assertive communication is that. And I okay. think for a lot of people, uh, a lot of different people, they have different ideas of what assertiveness means. So people who tend to retreat or be a bit more passive, they think that assertiveness is the same as aggression. It's not. Uh, People who are aggressive think that assertiveness is being passive, okay? It's not. So it's its own thing.
1: Wow, I didn't even think about it like that. I always thought assertion is um, getting control or getting power or it's...
2: Wow, so it's not not exactly what I was thinking. No, so it's not this, um, you know, someone wins. uh, Because Mm -hmm. typically when you are angry at someone, and you want to do something about it uh you, you have to deal with this person again right mm-hmm. like you know if it's a stranger like in the road situation then we, we need to sort of learn to let those things go because again we're not going to deal with that it's not going to help us in any way um but if it's in some sort of relationship whether it be work home school life anywhere you know then we, we have to deal with them again so it doesn't make sense to to sort of um, keep going through those unhealthy dynamics uh, you know uh, constantly because then you know mm-hmm. things will end and we don't want that to happen usually
0: mm-hmm. okay
2: um, yeah
1: so how do you like for example when you see the person that you've sort of expressed your anger to that sort of um, made you a little bit more frustrated with them if you have to work with them, for example, like you go to them constantly in familial settings or things like that, how do you see them again without reliving the whole situation?
2: Yeah. So, you know, it would be about deciding, uh, sorry, reflecting on your boundaries first. So Mm -hmm. thinking about, well, what is it about this person's behaviour towards me that is triggering me? And Mm -hmm. is this something I can manage or tolerate? um you know why would i be managing or tolerating it um maybe they're your boss right and you need a job so you can't just go like f you boss i mean you could (laughs) but you might you know get in trouble um but uh you know the the thing is you you just want to sort of assess you know because we do do things for a reason and if Mm -hmm. the reason is to keep the peace okay like that might be your reason um, but if you're tired of keeping the peace, and it's not actually working, and you know it, it doesn't actually solve anything, then maybe we have to do it different. Uh, do it a different way.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you go ahead and go through that whole situation? Like, for example, if you're in seeing family after a long time and you're in a family gathering, can you totally completely avoid that person, or is it? Is do you recommend sort of just facing up to them and just trying to see them in a positive way?
2: I think that really depends. Um, okay, because uh, as I mentioned earlier, like uh, I like working in the cultural space as well. So you know some techniques may not work in the same way. depending on what cultural background you first. <laughs> yeah, so you yeah. know it, it, in typical like uh, more, more, t- more typically like a Western style or Caucasian background, you know, if mm-hmm. people have their individual opinions and those individual opinions tend to be. Uh-huh, more respected versus in more say like um Eastern or um, collectivist cultures, then you know it's about the group, group harmony, the hierarchy a lot more, and yeah, you, know, you don't speak up against elders or anything like that in any way, kind of thing. Otherwise, you know, it, things will happen.
1: No, I'm I'm definitely in that space. I'm I'm part Asian, so having that whole culture background to it as well. There's no way that you can avoid. that person and it's it's very interesting when you sort of see just how much you're able you're having to suppress yes um and reliving that reliving that situation in a constant in a constant setting
2: yeah yeah so i'm gonna i guess share more like the the, in an ideal way we we (laughs) this is how we be assertive (laughs) um, yeah. <laughs> when we can express ourselves, when we can, you know, know what our boundaries are and be able to communicate that clearly with the other person, who in theory is open to hearing that and respecting that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's more like a, you know, it's us against the the problem, kind of mentality, right? Like okay. we're in this relationship together, or we're trying to keep a working relationship, and therefore, you know, let's solve this problem, of mm-hmm. a boundary being crossed. Okay, so that well, that will be where I start, and then we'll move on to like the the more tricky like cultural stuff. Okay, <laughs> the, the juicy stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, um, so yeah, like it'd be you know being assertive is actually just about being neutral, standing your mm-hmm. ground, being firm, um, but also recognizing that yeah we're trying to work towards this relationship being strong and or being repaired. Okay, mm-hmm. so we. Start off basically like this is very like text language, so people have to like yeah. you know reword it in their own ways because no one's going to be like, mm-hmm. I feel like this, you know. You know, <laughs> maybe teachers teach the kids these days like that, but um, yeah, no, it's more just empathizing with the other person first so that mm-hmm. you show them like I'm not here to fight you, um, you know, because as soon as we go, oh, you did this and that made me angry, like, of course, they're like, oh no, but you did this, and everyone gets defensive and then keeps going, all right, yeah. Um, so, if we're like, oh, I get that you've been really stressed lately, you know, they're like, yeah, I have. Or, you know, oh, it's not that I've been stressed. I'm just really tired. Or, you know, they might clarify. Okay. So, yeah. for the most part, okay. you're like getting them to start listening to you. Because when we're mm-hmm. fighting, we're typically not listening to the other party at all. We're just wanting to get out what we want to say. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the second part would be, you know, okay, I've recognized that you're feeling a certain way about things. I'm feeling a certain way about things as well. So I know mm-hmm. that you've been really stressed lately with, you know, heavy workload. I feel um, really uh, embarrassed when, you know, feedback's given in a public setting. So let's say a boss has criticized you or something in front of everyone. Um, mm. You know, and so it's like, this is my feeling, right? Like it's not... Your problem as such, not because you did that, it's because I feel this way when I got called out. Okay. And that would be generally across the board, right? Like if someone else called me out, I'd also feel uncomfortable. Or I'd also feel embarrassed. Um, Yeah. And then we go to the compromise. Okay. So you feel a way, I feel a way, now what do we do? Okay. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I would appreciate it if I prefer it if in the future, you know, we have feedback, um, you know, sessions in private, in an office or something, uh, you know, coming up with something that is, you know, doable for the both of you. And again, mm-hmm. sort of meeting the person in the middle first, because then you're showing um, like good uh, good intent, goodwill, goodwill. And goodwill. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got goodwill and then they're more likely to come meet you in the middle or make another suggestion. Um, because again... It's a working relationship. You want it to keep going. Mm-hmm. So that's just like a, an example of that. Okay.
1: And how does that occur, for example, if one side is willing to compromise and one side is not? Yes. Because there's always going to be that that
2: group that's just not going to want to... Yes. That has a lot of ego, yes. for example. exactly. Exactly. So that's the the tricky part, right? Like, you know, that's in an ideal world where, you know, yeah. both people are like, oh my God, I didn't realize, I'm so sorry, you know, and like, great, best friends again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But in other <laughs> situations, it's like, oh God, like, how do I do this? Um, yeah, right. Then we have to be that, right? We have to mm-hmm. be, okay, I, I don't appreciate being spoken to that way. Uh, and... You know, just having to remind them like, well, I'm your boss, I can I can do and It's like, well, yes, you might be my boss, but that doesn't mean you can speak to me that way. You know, and, and just sort yeah. of reaffirming that messaging. Um, and sometimes that um boundary then, you know, we, we really have to reflect on, well, am I okay to tolerate this? You know, why am I tolerating it if I am? You know, I'm staying here because I need a job or I need the money and you know what does that mean then right you know? but are you okay to put up with that um if if they're not hearing uh you know what your boundaries are
1: mm-hmm. and I know so we're going into the next section of the show when are talking about practice and habits um now this is just your personal way of trying to understand anger and trying to go through your practice what is a practice that you do to deal or handle the uncomfortableness of anger
2: yeah yeah so um that old say take a deep breath uh that's a good one (laughs) Mm -hmm. it just gives you pause you know before you decide what you do okay um but again you know that doesn't always work um Mm -hmm. you know because we haven't it hasn't become a habit right like you know it's all well and good you know to say take a deep breath when you like ah. uh but you know you have to like get that takes baby steps there um so you know again that whole idea of journaling um or reflecting let's just call it reflecting after the fact um mm-hmm. in whatever form you'd like um you know people might record themselves talking about the thing it doesn't have to be writing um, but it's more okay. this idea of like, let's get it out of our heads somehow and think about, well, what happened? Why do I think it happened in terms of me, right? Like, not them. Like, obviously, something they've done feels uncomfortable. That's why we've developed this feeling. But, mm-hmm. why am I getting triggered by that? Why am I upset if someone doesn't listen to me, for example? Or why mm-hmm. am I upset that that person? took my stapler again without asking you know what, what is yep. it about that situation that triggers me and then reflecting on okay well the reason is because I feel disrespected for example okay and why is it important for me to feel respected you know we, we dig into that a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. and then we can reflect on well what would I rather do in the future you know we can go okay well ideally I might say you know I I, I know that you know you're in a rush it would be nice out uh, like I'd appreciate it if you just let me know that you're taking the stapler so that I know where it is you know okay something yeah. like that you know we would would just do a little bit of a practice um script and then that just sort of um solidifies in our mind okay like there is another option like I don't have to just take it or I don't have mm-hmm. to snap you know I can
0: do something mm-hmm. else
1: okay And what are three good things that you've found about going through this practice of just taking things slowly?
2: Yeah. So um, one is being less reactive. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're less reactive, yeah, we feel more in control and therefore we feel more like ourselves, right? Like we're not doing things that, you know, we regret later on uh, or go, oh, cringe, like why did I do that kind of thing? um the other one yeah we're able to sort of focus on what's in our control as opposed to the other person because other people aren't in our control yeah, as much as we might like to think that we can change other people's behavior or thoughts and stuff like that we can't okay we might be able to influence them but if yeah. we're getting aggressive they're probably going to get aggressive back um you know or, or shut down complicate us yeah so that's Not going to change anything so let's focus on what i can do differently you know i can think about it differently i can communicate differently i can act differently and and all in the present moment i can do those things um Mm -hmm. and then that sort of helps settle us as well because we have that ability to enact it okay um and i guess the last thing would be just learning more about yourself and, and just developing yourself as a person, um, learning about your own triggers and how to overcome some of them. Um, obviously, nothing's perfect. So, you know, sometimes when you do go back and stay with your parents for a little bit too long, you might get a bit narky again. But, you know, no one's perfect. So <laughs> then you know, okay, my boundary, my cutoff time is I can only stay with them for this amount of days. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very much like that. Yeah. I think that is one of the most relatable parts of going through this yeah yeah now other than that what are some of the other challenges that occurs when you go through this practice because while there are so many good positive things there are always the kind of ways that you are just not able to do
2: yeah of course of course um you know again not perfect Uh, We will react to things sometimes. We will forget to reflect. Um, We will feel like our anger is completely justified and our lashing out, you know, or venting or whatever is justified. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's sort of that again, what are the consequences? Right. So once you see that, then, you know, hopefully it helps bring to light some of those issues. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, with, that um you know it, it, it is kind of contingent on that ability to pause and reflect um which may be difficult for some people
1: and how do you find the time to be able to go through this practice when you sort of realize the that your boundary or that your anger has sort of been in, taken in, in effect
2: yeah um I guess it, it it comes down to the priorities in life, but I guess. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's always going to be the same amount of time every day, but how we choose to use that time is up to every individual person. And so mm-hmm. if the anger has come out in some way that is not helpful for us or not aligned with who we want to be, then yeah, like we, we, we have to find that time to go, okay, what was that about? Um, and, you know, is there anything I can do about that now? Mm-hmm.
1: And do you set up a certain time to go through this or is it sort of when you first realize that you are, that you are starting to get angry?
2: Yeah, so I think for myself, um, I like to like journal every second day just so I can okay. keep on top of things and it's more like a preventative thing. You know um, and to make sure I have that regular sort of like release as well um, mm-hmm. you know by just sort of thinking okay like what's been going on or what do I have coming up you know is there any anxiety around that am I feeling upset by something that's happened or am I feeling really stressed so that it doesn't build into that anger um, or resentment uh, but yes of course like if something does happen if someone does cross a boundary and I do feel angry And yeah, like Mm -hmm. I try to reflect on that, um, you know, in the moment uh, and why, um, you know, that might be the case, and and say what I need from them in that moment, or you know, if if it's a cultural thing and a family thing, then pause and uh, think about, you know, how how do I want to be here? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And 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 go from there. But again, you know, practice makes progress. Yes. No, I, I'm totally with you on there. And I think
1: the practice, just getting into the habit of journaling, I did do it during lockdown. I will say like I did every day I was just journaling constantly. Um, but I think setting up that time is really hard to do. Yeah. Especially when you're running everywhere that you're hardly ever going to be able to make a diary entry or a journal entry every
2: single day as yeah. much as I used to yeah yeah but again that's like what is our idea of journaling right yeah true yeah that's yep. true. okay because if we are trying to write a narrative uh, a novel every time like of course it's going to take time um no exactly <laughs> yes
1: so, I, I will try that one line or yeah. that two par- or one paragraph or yeah. like a few sentences yep. yeah you don't have to fill the page you don't have to fill the book <laughs>
2: It's okay. I'm just looking at
1: that empty space. I'm like, oh, Oh, I've got to fill that now. (laughs) No,
2: you don't have to. It's your book. You get to decide what you do with it.
1: Okay. All right. I will try to take that into a practice of mine and I will, um, I'll see how that goes. Yeah.
2: Yep. Just write whatever you like up to the point where you feel like, okay, but that's everything that's on my mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And you don't have to push it further, um, you know, for the very beginning. And then later, when it becomes more of a habit, like of time, like you, you, you know, oh, okay, like I like to do it in the morning or I like to do it in the evening. And when you just kind of get your, your diary out to to write something, then you're like, ah, oh, like I'm just doing it now. Great. Okay. So then now we can think a bit harder.
1: Oh, that sounds that sounds good. And how do you think that going through this practice has impacted your? Your understanding of resilience and also the understanding of your life in general.
2: Yeah, I think it definitely has helped with my resilience. Um, You know, I notice when I haven't been uh, journaling as consistently that I just, you know, have a lot of busyness in my head, a lot of thoughts rolling around. Maybe I ruminate on certain situations more where, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe someone has you know, annoyed me or I have acted in a way that I'm not proud of. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't written things down for a while. Um, so just been keeping it all in here, right? And mm-hmm. it's hard because, like, if we keep it all in our minds, it will keep whirling around. It will keep churning through. Um, so we have yep. to let it out, which is why therapy is great, because you just talk to your therapist. You let it out in that way, in a constructive way, because they can hold space for you. Um mm-hmm your journal you can do it yourself you know put it down on paper it actually activates a different part of our brain which is pretty trippy uh-huh. um so instead of it just being the emotional center the blood goes to other areas like motor skills and memory and visual so yeah, i find that cool um but yeah i actually didn't know it did that yeah yeah so that's why it takes the edge off the emotion a bit as well okay yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's very interesting. I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to really try and experiment with journaling and see how, how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're going into the next section. Um, It's the questions from audience. Okay. We have quite a little bit of questions and I think they're all pretty interesting. Okay. So I'll get your response to those. Yep. Uh, So the first one is, do you believe anger represents suppressed emotions or trauma or is it just a personality type that is unresolvable?
2: Oh, okay. Um, So yeah, I do think it um, comes up as a result of suppressed um, emotions. Um, Yeah, (laughs) in terms of trauma, for sure. Like, you know, the sense of being maybe angry at the world for an injustice that might have occurred to the person or anger at the person the perpetrator of whatever the trauma was i think Mm -hmm. that's you know perfectly understandable if we think about it in the context of boundary crossing right so a trauma is you know boundary that's been crossed um so yeah that makes a lot of sense um in terms of a personality trait that can't be resolved there are certain personalities where people are um more susceptible to certain behaviors or things like that but i wouldn't say it's unresolvable because then i wouldn't have become a clinical psychologist Um, (laughs) i think that's all in hope as long as we're alive yeah we can we can do something with everything okay um so yeah like you know sometimes it might be more difficult because again maybe like insight might be lacking or there's not necessarily in their mind, like a consequence that's negative enough for them to change their behavior. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. Okay.
1: So when you talk about the unresolvable personality types, like sometimes your personality is just, you've got an anger in you. That's just how you're just reacting to things. So when you're talking about it being, unresol- being able to be resolved, no. is it more like cancelling it out completely or is it just sort of finding ways to um, find it in a healthy way to r-
2: release it yeah yeah um so more the second one like we learn how okay. to manage it right because okay. we don't know like hypothetically you know what the anger is about um so there might be you know this person might have been traumatized many times in their life and so yeah like if we look mm-hmm. at it from an outsider's perspective maybe they're completely justified in their feeling of anger. Um, but you know, does that anger help them? Does it help mm-hmm. them move forward? Does it help them be the person they want to be or live the life they want to live if they're sort of held holding on to that constantly? Um, so, you know, it, it's something that, you know, the person has to want to move past as well to a certain extent, um, so that they can, you know, work through it. Um, <clears throat> But, yeah, like, you know, again, it's not unresolvable. Okay.
1: Um, The next one is, how can we communicate our emotions and needs to others in a healthy and constructive way without even resorting to anger?
2: Yeah, I I think that's, um, you know, a a good idea. Like, you know, prevention is better than a cure. All right. So, you know that sort of like tapping into our uh, own needs and being able to express our needs on a regular basis, right? Because then we're not suppressing Mm -hmm. anything, right? Which means that there's nowhere for that anger to build because, you know, people aren't crossing our boundaries because people know exactly where they stand with us and they know Mm -hmm. that they can't cross those boundaries because we say what they are all the time. Um, So yeah, being uh, clear with that in our communication, but also internally first that okay like this is where I stand on these particular things this is what I will or won't tolerate um and this is why I will or won't tolerate it and then you know say it before it builds into anything Mm
1: -hmm. and the next one goes how can we cultivate compassion and empathy towards others and ourselves even in the face of difficulty or frustrating
2: situations yeah for sure for sure so that's the thing like you know we when we can empathize with another person, like sometimes that can help dull the the level of anger down so that mm-hmm. we can start thinking a bit more. But we don't want to be empathizing and then discounting our own feeling, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So okay. what I mean by that is, you know, okay, that person might have been treated that way by their parents. And that's why they're lashing out at me as their partner, you know, because they've got, you know, attachment issues or something. Okay. We can Mm -hmm. understand that, but that doesn't mean I have to allow that treatment of myself. Okay. And how,
1: like, especially in relationships, it must be really hard for the different ways that we communicate our anger or deal with anger. How can you sort of have that conversation with your partner if they're not even willing to admit the fact that they do
2: react that way, uh, if they're not willing to admit it, yes, uh, I would say try to go see a marriage counselor just to talk it out in okay. a safe setting. Yeah, mm-hmm. with someone who can hold space for both of you. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's really hard again to convince someone who doesn't have insight or a willingness, at least, to mm-hmm. work on an issue. Um, because yeah, like people uh, are, have their own free will and their own thoughts and their own choices. So you know, if someone's not willing um, or able to to see that, then you know, there's there's an issue there that needs to be resolved uh, with maybe external help. Um, okay. But if if someone is willing, then you know, ideally not in the situation that's heightened. You know, wait until. Mm-hmm. Both parties have calmed down, and then sort of bring it up um, and, and address it with the partner. And go, yeah, okay. like this is what I think or see. Um, this is what I gathering uh, based on what I know about you, kind of thing. What do you think? You know,
1: mm-hmm. so not in a way that sort of like di- feels like they're being diagnosed not very early by a partner, because I think, like, honestly, when it comes to that, there's always that line where. I think a couple of people they're like oh you this and this and yeah. this is what you are and they turn to
2: google and they just put
1: the yeah, label they... on it straight away
2: <laughs> yeah on, on, on the wrong foot right um, yeah. no so not nothing like that but it's just you know you know I know that you were really upset with me earlier before like it kind mm-hmm. of felt out of proportion. I'm not sure what's going on but I know that there's been like some stress with you and your mum or something but, like Is that something that's still bothering you or like, I wonder why, you know, like Mm -hmm. more opening up, um, that, that empathy allows you to think about, you know, how they're feeling generally and tying it to different things that you can maybe discuss more openly and, and therefore understand one another better. Okay.
1: So while we know that anger can be done in a positive way, how can we harness it in order to make it a bit more constructive?
2: yeah um so you know to to make it more constructive you know understanding when we do get that sense of anger okay what is the saying about me what is the saying about the situation that i'm not okay with and and therefore okay what am i going to do about it differently in the future right so Mm -hmm. am i going to speak up or am i going to defend myself or am i going to defend the other person because that's in line with my values Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it can be a really important sort of self-development thing that when we sort of recognize what our anger is trying to actually do um, as opposed to just reacting to it.
1: Mm -hmm. And this one is probably my personal favorite of a question. It's um, why are break rooms or smash rooms so effective in releasing frustration? Yes,
2: yes, because physically we have anger it builds up we get really tense okay we get that <laughs> sort of adrenaline and, and um, we need to let it out in some way right and and that's why people you know act aggressively sometimes because they're trying to let it out but unfortunately they might be hurting themselves they might be doing something that they regret like breaking something important to them or now they have to like clean it up and feel ashamed that they've broken something at home and or maybe the kids saw or whatever you know um, so break rooms are like a socially acceptable way you pay for a service you go in there you break a bunch of stuff you know that's what you're expecting it's okay you let it out right so that that's a situation mm-hmm. where you can let it all hang out
1: yeah I've always wondered why it's it's always so effective because every time I go it's it feels so much like a power release like yeah, you yeah, just you're in a positive vulnerability yeah. which is like I've always, wondered why physical exertion is a way of release
2: yeah yeah so physically like if we think about um uh our, like our, our biological system like when mm-hmm. we're feeling angry because a boundary has been crossed like basically we feel threatened in some way and so therefore our sympathetic nervous system gets activated right like adrenaline increased heart rate uh blood pressure breathing rate tension all of that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff that's related to fight or flight uh, or free um and um you know we we in in cave people days we would have to like run away from the predator or fight the predator right or hide Mm -hmm. you know um but you know the only way we feel physically better afterwards was when we physically let it out so in fight or flight you get that because you have to like. Physically exhaust yourself to get out of that situation alive. Um, but <laughs> in freeze, you, you know, you freeze for a bit, saber tooth tiger goes away, and then you like shake it out, right? Like if you've ever been in a car mm-hmm. accident and you're like, oh, God, okay. Yeah. Like that's how you're sort of feeling. And, and you know, a lot of the time with anger as well, like we, we get that pent up sort of like, Ugh. And that's why you sometimes see people so angry that they're shaking.
1: Well, that it makes a lot more sense as like, especially when you relate it back to the primate days and yeah. the way that you used to, um, that you see in films of the way that they exert themselves was like hitting something and yeah. breaking things. So it, it makes a lot of sense now. I didn't think about it like that. So that's
2: that's very interesting. Yeah. So again, we just do it in ways that don't hurt ourselves or hurt other people, right? And mm-hmm. and don't cause us regret later. Like if we break something at home, it's like ah. Oh now have to clean that up whereas if you go to a break room like that's what you know it's there for no i'm i'm
1: so glad i go now i think that's my way of therapy that's my way of journaling so exactly yeah whatever works So now we're going into the last part of the show, which is the open mic. It gives you a chance to share anything that you are passionate about, anything that you're working on currently. Um, We've got the last few minutes or so. Just, yeah, I'd love for you to share what's on your mind with our audience.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So as I mentioned, myself and my uh, business partner, um, Austin, we both started um, a practice called Reimagine Psychology Melbourne. And the reason why we wanted to reimagine psychology uh, was because typically it's been a very like Eurocentric, um, you know, Freudian sort of vibe um, where, you know, people would go to see a psychologist who was the expert uh, and then get advice from them. You know, they would be told, you know, this is what you have to do. This is what's wrong with you uh, and all of that sort of stuff. And then off you go, your problems are solved. Okay. Um, so, uh, myself and Austin were like, well, yeah, no. <laughs> like, we're, we're in a different generation of psychologists now. So it's like psychology in general is different these days, thankfully. Um, nothing wrong back then. Uh, you know, definitely lots of people got help from it. Uh, and, and, you know, not to say that everyone practiced in that way. But, you know, these days, again, it's more about collaboration. It's more about, you know, understanding that you yourself have agency and then you can do things um, you know uh, that work best for you. and then you mm-hmm. you know inherently have traits. Um, so there's different you know umbrellas of psychology um that are practice in slightly different ways, but that's our overall uh, way of approaching things uh, at reimagine. so, Yeah, basically, we wanted to make a safe space for people who historically might have avoided um, therapeutic settings because they maybe didn't feel welcome. So Mm -hmm. um, people from different cultural backgrounds, um, LGBTQIA plus community, um, just anybody who just felt maybe that the old way of approaching things or that they they couldn't quite connect um, as well, or it felt quite intimidating, and we just mm-hmm. wanted it to be a more like down-to-earth service where we would take things into consideration. Um, you know, I mentioned culture as a as a thing that we're very passionate about, um, uh, but it's not just about you know, ah, uh, like just because I'm Asian doesn't mean I understand all Asian. It's that yeah. I'm, we're more open-minded to go. Okay, well, people see things differently, and people do things differently, and people prefer different things. So. Let's see what you prefer and how you would like to to kind of operate. So, yeah, like um, both Austin and I work in slightly different areas of psychology. Um, so he's got more like the ADHD side of things, which is coming out as more of a, it. like, um, more like awareness, especially in adults. Um, and for myself, I, I do, like you mentioned before, like chronic pain stuff um, and, yeah, other and pieces like anxiety, depression, anything cultural related come at us. We're both um, in, in that space. Um, Austin's got the the male perspective. I've got the female perspective, um, both from Asian backgrounds. Um, we're both second generation immigrants. So yeah, we're we definitely passionate about that.
1: No, I think that, that sounds amazing, especially in the way that it's, it's open to everyone, and it's inclusive in a way that you don't normally see in sort of the normal areas of psychology, especially when you go, like I think I said this earlier, when they, the the way that they portray yes. it in films and things like that. So it's it's very much in a in a space that feels comfortable, feels homely it sounds like. Yeah
2: well that's what we hope to do with the office like vibe. Um, it, it might be a bit like interior design wise I don't know about the colors and everything together but you know this is what we thought looked nice and felt nice and was a bit more comfy for people.
1: Well that that sounds amazing. Um, so if there is a way that an audience member would like to get in touch with the business get in touch
2: with um either you or austin is there a way that they are able to yeah so they can email hello at reimagine dot melbourne um and one of our lovely admin team will be in touch with them um currently i'm only doing telehealth because i'm actually in brisbane um Permanently. Yeah. Uh, but Austin's still in Melbourne and um, he works out of the office there, so you're still able to to go do face-to-face appointments there if you'd like. Um, but yeah, that's uh, have a look at our website, And um, There's also some free resources there, um, some blog articles that we've both written um, about different topics in psychology or different areas that we're interested in working in. Um, have a look at some of those free things come with tips and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah.
1: Well, that, that sounds amazing. And I'll definitely have the link and the email down below. So it's easy access for our audience members. Um, if they want to learn more about the company, learn more about what you do and maybe get in touch with, um, with either one of you. So that, that is amazing. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much, Jessica, for joining me on the show today I actually did learn a lot there's I there's not many shows that I come on and say that I've learned something but I have actually learned a lot I've um I'm going to try out the journaling oh. and see how that goes sentence. just a sentence <laughs> yes perfect I will I will try to get that done yeah um. Um, Yeah, so thank you guys so much for
0: listening and I will see you guys in the next episode. You have been listening to Bouncing Back, the Personal Resilience Science Insights Podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pr.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama, Thanks for tuning in.